Okay, let's bring in George Tillis, and let's chat about some of these numbers here. All right, uh, George, give me your thought on Tesla real quick. Uh, you know, when you've got people like Dan Ives shaving down the price targets, what's that tell you? Well, they're shaving it down, but look at the target itself. I think he brought it down from 360 to 300. That's uh, close to about 45 or 50% increase from here in terms of their target over the next 12 months. So overall, OJ, I think uh, if you look at the gross margins, they were down 70 basis points. Of course, missing on top-line sales because of delivery constraints uh, did hit the, uh, the, uh, the company's report in terms of uh, what was expected. I think if you look at the operating expenses, they may have actually come in a little bit higher than uh, expected for the quarter. That explains why gross margins are down. But uh, I still think if you consider on a forward basis, even with adjustments and even with the, uh, with the quarter that they reported, everything is getting notched to the downside, but respectively still quite a bit higher consensus-wise uh, than what we've seen here at around $200 per share. I think the EBITDA growth going forward around 70%, and they're also expecting 56% sales growth. Speaks to a stock that should be moving higher, not lower. It's down 20% over the last 30 days. Uh, it's getting wrecked this year. It certainly can go lower, but it's starting to look reasonably priced uh, as a growth stock. And now, I, I say this not necessarily as a perma bull on Tesla. I'm saying this just based on the financials. If you look forward, uh, things are looking a little bit better. And I think there was a little bit of a hang up this last quarter in production versus deliveries. And I think uh, overall it's holding up well considering the miss on sales. Okay. And uh, with China shut down, I mean, that was a major impediment uh, to growth at this point. Uh, but uh, being able to hit those goals going forward, does this stock uh, look susceptible to the broader economic conversation we're having? I mean, he continues to want to hit uh, pretty incredible delivery levels, which would require like, uh, what, a half a million cars sold in the next quarter to get to where he wants to be? That's a lot. Oh, sure. I think the macro headwinds, OJ, are, are going to further compress multiples across the board, including Tesla. I mean, it's trading at, at 2023 earnings right now at around 38 times. Uh, that's cheap relative to its five-year average. But if you consider that, that 38% or 38 multiple, with the EBITDA growth more than double that, I mean, even with a margin of safety of 30%, one would say that's still cheap. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the uh, analysts, which are moving their targets down, but still, for the most part, the target prices are higher than the current price. But I do think there are risks. You have to consider market risks, the multiple compression we're probably going to continue to see. Albeit, again, we may, we may be uh, retesting the October 12th lows again. We may end up overthrowing them. Uh, before this market finds a bottom or a tradable bottom versus just a bounce on a, on a one-day basis. Uh, I think there's still risk out there. There's, there's certainly risk in Tesla. There's risk across the board in the market. Okay. So uh, mostly uh, still buys, but uh, price targets coming in, now down 8%. Yep. Not going to help the market broadly by any means. Uh, the low being $204 from last week, that's where we'll – uh, keep our eyes on. It's right there, 204.16, the low from last week. Uh, so we'll see uh, how it holds up at that level right now. But it's looking pretty weak. What about uh, for uh, I IBM? Kind of these old uh, uh, stodgy giants that now are getting a little bit of love, AT&T and IBM. People, you know, hated the way these companies uh, were dealing with some of the technological innovation and disruption of the last couple of years. AT&T made missteps on content. 
Now they're kind of honing in on the phones. IBM made some missteps, but then maybe righted the ship with the Red Hat purchase. I see some analog between the two of these companies, especially given that they pay out dividends and the market wants that right now. Yeah. Yeah, you have to look at when you look at IBM, that's what you have to look at. I mean, it's a legacy value technology company, but also put it in that camp of, uh, of an income investment. I mean, they've increased their dividend OJ over the last 22 years. And right now, around $6.60 a share in dividends, it puts its yield over 5%. And so, I mean, the quarter was uh, a pretty good quarter overall. Sales were higher by 6%. They actually came in uh, and beat the estimates uh, at around $14.1 billion. They beat it by $550 million. Earnings were down uh, about three cents relative to last year uh, at 181, but they did beat the estimate at $1.80. So if you look across the board on a constant currency basis, uh, they actually denoted double-digit sales growth in software, traditional software revenue, consulting revenue was up 16%, uh, infrastructure revenue was up 23%, and then also the hybrid cloud uh, revenue was up 20%. Overall, they did spin off their IT services business, so they are accounting for that. I do think that's one of the reasons why their their uh, exceptionally high free cash flow expectations for the fiscal year, $10 billion, are inclusive of that divestiture. But you have to look at it really as a yield-based business. It's actually held up rather well, extremely well, considering the market in the past, uh, and actually on a year-to-date basis. I think it's, uh, it's, it's still slightly down, but nonetheless, it's performing a lot better than the broader market. Okay. Right now, you see some of the old school uh, giants working. Oracle up. Yep. Pretty interesting. Uh, now, uh, on the flip side, George, uh, the chip makers and some of the high growth areas have been under a lot of pressure. Uh, today, chips are a little changed, about a half a percent higher. Uh, so they are fairly encouraging for the broad market. Lamb Research doing a lot of that legwork, uh, up about three and a quarter percent following the earnings. Just made new lows last week as well. Been a consistent downtrend. When you look at the numbers here, it looks to me like kind of one of the more vanilla solid beats in uh, the overnight session. Top line beat, bottom line beat. What else is there to say? That's the thing. I mean, if you look at the report for Lamb Research, I mean, they hit uh, $5 billion for the quarter, which is the first time in the company's history. Everything looks exceptional except performance. I mean, the stock is down over 50% year to date. This is a story of multiple multiple compression, uh, to say the least. It just exemplifies this. But they also you also have to consider macro headwinds, and I think it's starting to be priced in quite aggressively in a lot of these names. I mean, uh, Lamb Research is one of the semiconductor foundry leaders in NAND and flash-based uh, memory. The numbers themselves were exceptional. If you compare them at $10.42, they were higher earnings-wise by 24%. That was uh, compared to $8.36 last year. Sales of $5.07 billion, uh, higher by 18%. So you're getting earnings growth that is greater than sales growth, OJ. So that speaks to a company that should be moving in the, in, in, from you know, the bottom left to top right in terms of price, but it hasn't. Uh, but they did beat the uh, the estimates at four, which was 4.9 billion. They are expecting a two to two and a half billion dollar haircut or cut uh, for the full year, not necessarily for the next quarter, uh, because of what's going on with uh, export restraints to China. But here's the kicker: they actually guided higher for the next quarter. Uh, both the earnings and revenue midpoint guidance were ratcheted higher. I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing the stock uh, move. 
uh, alongside, of course, beating the estimates for earnings and revenue. But I think if you look at the the compression that we've seen in the uh, in the multiple for the name on a forward basis yesterday, you know, this is again prior to the adjustment for Q2. It was trading around nine times forward earnings, where historically it's around 16 times, and you're getting now a stock that's growing its earnings uh, at least for the quarter up 24%. So you know, one would say, hey, maybe this is cheap, but it can get cheaper because we know that when markets uh, perform like they have this year in a bear market, we can overthrow uh, even cheap valuations further to the downside. And that's a possibility and a risk you have to consider. Okay. So uh, the downside uh, swoon in valuations, uh, we've got that um, for sure right now over the last uh, you know uh, year. The question I guess is um, when the earnings are powerful enough uh, to stabilize it, you know, um, because uh, the the beat also reflects how expectations were dropped here. So does the outlook tell us anything that, um, uh, you know, we don't already know in terms of what's happening for chips? I mean, is this uh, downtrend going to stop until we hear somebody saying, oh, demand is surprisingly picking back up again? I mean, it seems like uh, the team from Summit believes uh, that something like that maybe is in the works here. I honestly think, OJ, it's going to come from policy or macro. I think that that's got to shift some economic data that has to come out. In other words, bad economic data will be good for the markets. I think if you look at the adjustments on earnings from companies like Micron, we've seen an AMD, NVIDIA. Now, again, LAM Research, uh, the, the fabrication and equipment-based manufacturers are a little bit more diverse. They don't have specific you know, idiosyncratic uh, semiconductor risk and a particular type of semiconductor is what I'm trying to say uh, than some of the specific names. But, you know, until that, until something changes uh, policy wise, you know, maybe the Fed eases up on uh, quantitative tightening, that could certainly be a possibility. We, we're going to see pressure in the markets and, and, you know, things can get cheaper uh, from here, even though things are, are already very cheap. Uh, like LAM research, I suggest is cheap, but you know, like I said, unless there's something that changes from a macro perspective, uh, there's going to be pressure. And I think that's one of the risks we have to consider still going forward as we move into the end of this year and into early next year. But we can get a counter trend rally at any moment, especially seasonality, which speaks to, you know, October, early November, election year, all that stuff makes for a, a good market. That's a possibility as well, at least at least in the short term. Hey, George, uh, real quick, as the market turns positive, yeah. uh, earlier this morning, American was higher, but then it flipped red. Give me a 60-second thought here on those earnings, because uh, it seems like they did a lot of things right here that the market needs to see, but uh, stock's still down. They did. So bottom line is, if you look at all the airlines, what do we see across the board? Capacity is down, but revenue is higher than 2019 for the same quarter. That was the case for here, here for American beat estimates, both on top line sales, which came in pretty much in line, but also on earnings. The problem being is, is even though load factors were higher for American is debt. Uh, they have a balance sheet problem, $34 billion in debt. They've alluded to this, they've acknowledged this. And this is one of the reasons why American itself relative to its respective larger peers like Delta United has been underperforming significantly over the last five years, not just since the pandemic, but over the last five years. All right. Uh, all the other airlines are doing okay here. Looks like they're going to cut out some of the first class seats, by the way. Uh, sorry, George. They got to make room uh, for uh, for more seats, right? Because those are too big. They can fit uh, 
three to every two in first class. So I guess they're going to take some of those out as uh, they want to get some more capacity per plane since they don't have that many pilots. They're going to do record pilot hirings uh, this year, they said. So uh, maybe we can start to um, see some of those uh, labor and supply impasses get resolved. Maybe we'll get some cheaper flights, but not quite yet. Thanks, GT. Appreciate it, sir. George Tills.